You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. Jesus was at a party. As Jesus sat down to eat in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. See, Matthew was a tax collector, not well-loved in his community or culture. He was seen as somebody who was um, working with the enemy, the, the Roman occupying force, and, uh, and even taking from his own people for himself. Listen to this. When the Pharisees saw this, they saw Jesus hanging out with all these sinners. They said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Go and learn what this means. I want mercy, not sacrifice. I didn't come to call the righteous people, but sinners. In a room full of division and judgment, how is Jesus able to show mercy? And how are we able to show mercy in rooms with all kinds of division in our lives, in a world full of division? As we think about the church that can have so many divisions in it, how do we allow a diversity of people to come into the room without letting their shadow or their idol lead? Idol is something, simply something that you love too much or trust too much. You trust more than God. How do we come into the room without letting those things lead? How do we let Jesus lead? Last week, we looked at five fractures in evangelicalism and the fractures and tensions in Jesus' world as well. If you missed the five perspectives of faith, I want to encourage you to go back and watch last week's uh, sermon. This week, we're going to look at different ways Jesus and the ancient church teach us to to draw circles of love and mercy rather than lines of control and condemnation. So just for a second, before I get into any principles or teachings, just think about the people in the room. Think about the people in the rooms and parties that Jesus did his ministry in, all the tensions, the different allegiances uh, to other people, maybe even other religions, other um, uh, tribes and and political parties. Think about the different agendas that everybody brought in to the room. Think about someone like Nicodemus who could have been in the room. This is a man who was who centered his life on scripture and power. He was actually um, a part of the powerful ruling council um, in Jerusalem. Simon the Zealot was likely in some of these rooms, and um, this was a man who centered his life on nationalistic politics. That's where he centered his life. And then you have Matthew. We know about him, the tax collector. And he centered a lot of his life on collecting money and wealth. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, he lived out in the wilderness, um, ate honey and locusts, he had, you know, very strict diet, very like extreme type of a religious guy. And he centered his life on ministry and a ministry all about repentance. Like you got to change, you got to repent. And that's what he centered his life on. Then you have the, the Roman centurion who might have been in, in the room uh, at some points in Jesus' in ministry. And he, again, he centered his life on Rome, on the military, 
and supporting his nation. This is someone coming from that background. And finally, you have someone like the Samaritan woman who her life and little what little we know, there was a, a center of shame that she carried with her. And Jesus transformed that. But that's where she came from. When you think about just a few of these characters, and there are so many more we could list, it was a miracle for all these people to be in the same room. The only way these people come together and learn to live in community is that Jesus was in the room. To to survive divisive times, we have to always remember to bring Jesus into the room and to look through the lens of Christ at our lives and how we shape our communities. I want to give you some practical wisdom and teaching from Jesus and the early church on how to be a community that transcends our differences without allowing our shadow sides to, to lead our communities or divide them even more. First thing, Jesus in the book of Matthew teaches us over and over to refuse to allow the offense to be bigger than the relationship. The whole concept of Jesus coming to be on earth and to love us and to bring us back home to the Father is this idea that that God didn't allow our offenses, our sin, our brokenness to be bigger than the relationship with him. So Jesus, over and over in the book of Matthew, demonstrates and teaches that we never let the offense be greater than our love or our relationship. At someone's party, if someone's seen as a sinner, Jesus brings them in. If someone's poverty is is offending like a religious person or a really wealthy, powerful person, Jesus teaches them, don't let their poverty um, be bigger than the relationship. If someone's poor and they're offended at someone's, um, you know, someone's greed, don't he 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 encourages people, don't even let that be bigger than the relationship. Draw close, like love draws us together. Don't let someone's words, someone's views, someone's offense be bigger than the relationship. We, this is a way of learning to be unoffendable. Now, being unoffendable doesn't mean you don't get hurt or even a little offended. It just means that you don't let the offense remain bigger than the relationship. In Matthew 18, you see this um, always teaching people. Jesus was always, always teaching people to, to pursue love and to always run to people made in the image of God and to make sure that we show love to them. Here's some practical steps that I've learned over the years through scripture and through looking at the early church. I've been influenced by uh, teachers and leaders like Tim Keller or Hugh Halter. So here we go. Here's three ways that we can um, maintain unity and love and mercy in the middle of a divided room. Number one is enter other people's reality. Enter their reality. Well, the way that one of the greatest ways to do this is to be curious, like be curious about other people. Like, why are they thinking about it? Why do they say that offensive thing? Why are they the way they are? Curiosity kills condemnation. So we have to learn to listen well. James 1, 19 says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Try your best um, to construct the best version of their perspective too. Like try to really see the world that they see and understand their perspective. The spirit of Jesus gives us the capacity to listen and to reflect with compassion. Now, sometimes we don't want to enter someone's world because we feel like oh, I'm giving permission, um, I'm condoning, or I know like just my presence is going to, I'm just going to con- want to condemn them. Like it's going to just make me mad. Here's a few things that can help. And I think Jesus demonstrated this. Proximity doesn't equal permission. 
If proximity equaled permission, Jesus never would have entered our world in the first place, but his love demanded that he did. The other principle to remember is this, compassion and curiosity does not equal condoning or condemning. If you're compassionately curious and you're present with people, it doesn't mean as you're listening that you're condoning everything they think or say or do. And it also doesn't mean you have to be condemning everything they think, say, or do. You're just, I think, like Jesus, curiously learning about their world. So enter their reality. Here's the second thing. Affirm the good that they bring and then challenge the good gone wrong. So whenever we're talking with people or trying to manage some of the fractures and divisions in our world, we're not going to agree on everything. But the worst thing, at least for me, the worst responses I get is when I you know, barge into a room or I barge into a conversation just hot under the collar or so certain that I see everything and I know everything, and I just start hitting people with like verbal argument about why they're wrong and what's terrible about their view and how could you believe this. And so I jump to like what's gone wrong in their perspective. And that lacks a few things like social intelligence. It lacks a little humility. Um, but I think one of the things is it closes people down. It closes their heart, closes their ears. They, like, I don't like just being shouted at or feeling like I'm just getting, you know, verbally beat up or like without any understanding. It's really important that we enter conversations where we know there's some fracture or there's disagreement to agree with something good inside their perspective or their worldview or their life as you challenge them. So start with what you, what you see that's good. What's the good thing? Jesus, you know, did this all the time. Um, he did this with like the lawyer who he got in an argument with them and, and, you know, Jesus asked him a question. He's curious. He's like, so, you know, uh, this, this lawyer says, um, what gets us, what gets us eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do you think? What do you think the law says? How do you read it? And then the lawyer says back to him, the great commandment. He says, it's, uh, love God with your whole being and then love your neighbor. And then Jesus just affirms that. He just affirms it and says, yeah, go and do that. And then, you know, like the, the lawyer still needs to press and he says, well, who's my neighbor? And that's when Jesus tells this story that challenges his thinking. And that's the story of the Good Samaritan. So we, I think there's this like, I don't know, this, this, this art. It's not just a science. It's really an art of learning when and how to affirm the good in, in somebody, in somebody's perspective. Even if you don't, can't stand the whole perspective, you can agree on things like around politics. Hey, I think we both agree we want the best for our city. We want the best for our country. Uh, I want, you know, I want people to be patriotic. I just don't want them to love uh, their country more than they love Jesus or start following um, this ideology more than they follow the way of Jesus. And so we can affirm, I think, the best of intentions and best aspects of someone's beliefs and then challenge them without agreeing with everything that they believe. Another good example of this is Paul, like when he's um, in the Greek world and he's trying to share Jesus in this uh, Greek context, in this Greek reality, and he enters their world. He really tries to understand their multiple gods that they're worshiping. And, and he doesn't agree with any of it, but he comes in with an, an appreciative, um, curious perspective. Um, and and he, he appeals to their reality. He uses their language, their poetry, um, their authorities, like their authorities in art and in philosophy, when he argues with them. And, he's, and one of the things that's so interesting is, 
He, he's a, he might not agree with all the gods that they do worship, but he, he does say, hey, you do worship. And that is a good thing. You have a worship imp- impulse. I want to encourage that. But I, there's a God that you have. It's called the God of the, the unknown God. And I want to introduce you to him. He's the creator, creator of all these things. So he actually uses um, within their reality and within their, their uh, art and philosophy, he uses within that uh, a foothold to actually be able to present what he sees and to present the, the gospel. But he does it in a way that's not just putting everything that they believe down. The Holy Spirit urges us to communicate with the fruit of the Spirit, and that means that we're able to speak the truth in love. Here's the third thing. Be willing to learn and rethink. If you're going to affirm the gifts of somebody, but then challenge them, you have to be willing to be challenged. You have to be willing to rethink maybe some of the things you thought were so certain. Um, this puts us on a level playing field, not us talking down to people, but we're, we're actually in this to learn and to grow together. There's mutual transformation that can occur when we have that attitude. So be willing to learn and rethink. Think of all the moments people repented and rethought their lives in their conversations with Jesus. Think about Nicodemus, who all of a sudden shifted the way he saw things after a conversation with Jesus. Or Matthew, or the Samaritan woman. The disciples were constantly learning and rethinking, and so should we. doesn't mean we give up the most central things uh, to, our, to our lives and our faith that we bring from our past, um, but it does say that we, we openly relook at things to make sure that we aren't so certain that we're missing something that we're wrong on. You know, one of the ways that we keep from kind of calcifying, crystallizing in, in uh, some position or like just choosing a tribe over the truth that we might know is true. Um, Tim Keller helps us with this. He says, loosen the links between your ideas and your identity. Think about that for a second. That's a deep one. Loosen the links between your ideas and your identity. Sometimes what I think Tim's getting at here is we connect our ideas so strongly with our identity that if our ideas are challenged, it's like the core of our being is being challenged and it prevents us from having a posture of learning, rethinking, and actual mutual transformation. Tim Keller also says, don't defend everything you or your party or tribe has said or done. Don't take a a stand to die on every hill. That's foolish. We can trust God. We can trust Jesus (laughs) enough that, hey, I don't have to know everything, and I can enter conversations to actually learn. So when we're in the room and there's lines of division and judgment and tribes are kind of going to their corners and you can just feel the tension. I want us to remember that for any transformation to occur, for mercy to occur, we have to remember to ask Jesus into the room, to soften our hearts, to be curious, to listen, to enter other people's worlds, um, to be willing to see some of the gifts that they bring, some of the gifts that they are. Don't forget that, forget that every person is a gift. Not every idea is a gift. But we want to be able, if we're going to challenge people, if we're going to grow ourselves and be challenged and learn, we have to remember to soften our hearts and to follow Jesus into the room. Let me leave you with some wisdom adapted from the Evangelical Covenant Church. This is a resolution they had on public political discourse. Listen to this. Fundamental and eternal identity of all Christians comes from their being members of the one body of Christ. 
and citizens of the one kingdom of God. This identity transcends and relativizes all differences arising from age, sex, ethnicity, culture, economic status, political orientation, and national allegiance even. It's not saying that those aren't important or real, but it's just saying that our call to the kingdom and our identity in Christ is higher than those things. Jesus' people are always called to partner together as servants to seek the flourishing of the city where they live. We're not to withdraw, escape, ignore, or despise the common life that we live in our communities. The needs and the challenges of our neighbors, we're not trying to escape those, or the communities in which we live, but rather we are to speak and act as ambassadors of the kingdom of Christ. Guys, I love you so much. Let's show mercy when there's tension in the room. See you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.